This is the Immigration Conversation presented by Fragman, a series of talks and discussions by leading immigration lawyers and professionals from around the world. We'll bring you the most up-to-date business immigration news, issues of concern, and strategies in the world of global immigration and mobility. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Fragment podcast. My name is Jared Milner, and with me today is Teresa Wiley and Jose Braz, both from Fragment Africa. Hi, Teresa and Jose. How are you both today? Hi, Jared. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Hi, Jared. Doing fine. Thank you. Great. Thanks, guys. Uh, so today we're going to talk a little bit about navigating entry requirements for seafarers in Africa. It's a, it's a very interesting topic, and, and when we decided to, to discuss it, I thought I'd look up some of the, the interesting facts around seafarers because, you know, it's not something that everyone will really know about. So uh, I looked up a few few facts and, you know, came out that a person that is a seafarer is someone who's employed to serve aboard any type of marine vessel. Uh, also found out that the population of seafarers serving on trading merchant ships is over 1.6 million. So there are a lot of people working as seafarers uh, across the globe, something which I really didn't anticipate. I mean, I know we, we do work with seafarers quite a bit, but I didn't realize the extent to, you know, the amount of people working. Uh, uh, Teresa, Jose, did you know that there were so many people working as seafarers? I think the exact number um, is a new figure to me. Um, it's definitely quite amazing to think about um, how much of the workforce, the global workforce, is actually um, on sea versus um, on land. Um, so it's quite a, a fascinating number. Um, as someone that has been a crew member um, myself for a, a period of time, it's it's great to to, to see that there's so many uh, people still working in the industry and also with. Um, with vessels and and coming in and out of port. Yeah, it's, it is very interesting, and I and I also saw that uh, the country with the most seafarers is from the the Philippines. Uh, they're the large largest supplier of seafarers, uh, and also what I thought was really interesting was that seafarers carry over ninety percent of the world trade. So you know, there's a lot of trade that's taking place just overseas where these guys are are working. Uh, also interesting, uh, and Jose, I don't know if, if you knew more about this, but it provides the greenest form of goods transport. So, I mean, that's saying that it's the least environmentally damaging. So uh, it's very popular and, you know, it, it's also got environmental benefits. Uh, Jose, were you aware of this? Did you realize that it's such a big industry? Well, I also didn't have what, uh, as far as numbers goes, uh, I was quite shocked uh, to the numbers that you've just mentioned, but then I was also uh, well aware that uh, as far as, you know, uh, the business of uh, import and export goes, uh, predominantly, I think that the scope of work is done via waters. So it would make sense to have such a large number in this industry. Yeah, it's, it, it is a very large number and interesting to see. So, you know, that's a, a bit of background about seafarers, and I think we can take it over to the, the immigration side. And maybe, Teresa, I can start with you just asking, well, what's different about entry requirements for seafarers? You know, if someone's coming into into a country and they're going offshore onto a vessel compared to someone that's just traveling on the vessel, why is it different for them compared to anyone else that's traveling? I think the main thing is that um, entry requirements for seafarers is quite fluid. Um, sometimes they are 
arriving by sea um, and you know disembarking the vessel um, at a different location. Other times they will arrive by air and board the vessel and then move on to their next destination. Um, so the way that they arrive into a set country is not consistent. Um, it can vary depending on where they need to be and when and, and for how long. Um, and so it's it's really important to to analyze um, how they are actually arriving initially, how, how are they stepping into uh, a given jurisdiction and how are they leaving um, in order to give them the best um, advice on to what would be required from an immigration perspective. Um, and it also is good to take into account that um, sometimes countries might have processes specific to seafarers because of this um, differences in the way that they arrive and leave uh, a specific country. Um, but in Africa specifically, um, not all the jurisdictions might have a legislation or a process specific to seafarers. So um, it's really important to make sure that you do all your, your checks beforehand before you, you travel because of all this fluidity and exceptions and complexities. Okay, so it sounds like, you know, that from an immigration point of view, it's it's quite a quite a process so tell me then is it a is it a more complicated process it is a is it a simpler process if you're thinking of a, a seafarer that's that's coming into a country would it be a benefit to to an organization for them to be traveling in this way or you know it really just depends on on each case I think in some aspects, it's simpler for those that are long-term crew members. These would be uh, personnel or crew uh, seafarers that have been on board for a long period of time and don't necessarily intend on leaving the vessel too too often or, or in a short period of time. Um, but in terms of those uh, technicians or engineers that are just needed to either supervise or do a quick maintenance on the vessel, um, or do some technical work just for a short period of time, um, it can be a little bit more complex, especially because company, companies may not realize the compliance aspect. You know, um, oftentimes there is a crew list that you have to be a part of in order to, you know, be allowed to disembark or to enter jurisdiction. Um, and that's usually lies by a shipping agent or port agent, or even uh, sometimes referred to as a, as a maritime agent um, but uh, from a compliance por po point of view there are instances where certain nationalities still need to undergo different process before they arrive um, even though they form part of the crew list for example um, depending on their nationality and where they are going um, so we oftentimes oftentimes have to work um, closely with a shipping agent um, that is involved in clearing the vessel to just ensure that um, all those on board will be cleared upon arrival and there's no specific exceptions to be made uh, based on the nationality and what they will be doing as well. Okay, so it's it's quite a you know quite a lot of moving parts that are that are happening on you know in this process quite a few different authorities that we need to consider. It's it's not necessarily a simple process at all, uh, but also you know it's something that's in place to make things a little bit easier, I guess, for these types of travelers. Then, Jose, maybe I can ask you it, when it comes to the process. You know, we've I mentioned that the Philippines is quite a you know, quite a busy country in terms of seafarers, and obviously with that amount of people 
in the seafarer industry, there are a lot of nationalities and countries that are involved and they're traveling to different places. So is it is it kind of a one size fits all approach to to the cases when we're dealing with these or or does it vary quite a lot per jurisdiction, per nationality? What you know, what's what's the lock, the likelihood around those? I think I think they tend to vary uh, from case to case, uh, and this is normally dictated by the request that a client would have. Uh, nationalities might play a role uh, might, might play a role in some instances, uh, and also the nature of of, of of the assignment or the nature of of the voyage might also play uh, a role uh, on the on on what uh, should transpire. Uh, in the event that a, a client, uh, for instance, would require uh, assistance from from us, fragment, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll make an example. Uh, we would have cases where we might have an, a mariner and us any uh, embarking from one port overseas with the intentions of of, of transiting uh, through an African country, but then to fly elsewhere. Uh, in such an event, I'll, I'll make an example. Just most recently, we had we had a request from a client that wanted us to facilitate uh, entry movement uh, for a specific assignee uh, that was coming with a, that that's, that 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 is, is scheduled to to be arriving on a on a vessel, uh, and they, and and the request was to facilitate getting them the necessary entry visas to allow him to transit through uh, Mozambique and then fly elsewhere. Uh, and what we found to be a bit uh, uh, a bit complex was the fact that uh, number one, this uh, this uh, assignee did not have the necessary Siemens book that would deem that would uh, de that deem him uh, mar what mariner status to, to board this vessel easily. And number two, uh, there was no clarity with regards to uh, what would be required once he gets into Mozambique because. Uh, in general, port agents would normally liaise with uh, immigration authorities directly, and we we sort of uh, don't have much visibilities with regards to what happens between the port agent versus uh, 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 immigration uh, officials. So for us to best uh, give our recommendations was uh, was on the I think well, I think our recommendations was actually more in line with what we tend to do practically, but not. Not not specific to to mariners, and we were hoping that 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 that, that the same recommendation that we had for that we would normally have for in, anyone that uh, arrives via land or air would apply to the mariner. Okay, I mean that sounds like a, a quite a quite a scenario that that has to be dealt with almost in a unique manner. And I guess it, as you're saying, with with each kind of case type, there's going to be these unique differences which make the the process or the uh, you know the way that we we approach it going to be quite quite different depending on the case depending on where the person's traveling from uh, and you know what what that person might actually need and just thinking around so you know that that's a really great example i'm i'm sure there're lots of other ones uh, but what what's probably important is you know what documents and processes we're looking at that apply to seafarers so Teresa, maybe back to you uh, what kind of documents are generally required uh, you know as we've discovered it's not one size fits all but what you know in general what documents would be required what are some of the processes that we're looking at when when some of these assignees are traveling as you know in this method so it definitely varies on uh first of all what exactly is going to be done um you know the nature of the activity of the seafarer um another thing that plays um uh, 
an aspect into you know determining what document and process is needed is also if the work that's going to be conducted is actually on territorial waters um, instead of uh, international water. If, if you're looking at, you know, the work being conducted in international waters, that's that's governed by international law. So a specific country might not be able to um, enforce a certain process or a certain visa on the seafarer. Um, but if you find that they're now um, coming towards the port and towards territorial waters and the work is actually going to be done there uh, for a specific duration of time, then you might find that they need a, a work permit or a work visa to um, to accompany that, um, you know, that um, assignment, um, so to speak. So it really depends on uh, what it's going, what's going to happen or what, how, um, what work they're going to be doing and how long they're going to be doing that. And if it's in territor territorial waters, then you find that they'll need a work permit. Okay, so quite a, you know, quite a few necessities around there. And like you said, it depends on, going to depend on the case quite a little bit. Uh, Jose, anything to add on that? You know, some of the important things to look out for, maybe from a process point of view or from a documents point of view? Yeah, from a, I think from a documents point of view, just to add, I think uh, there are, instances where we we've seen uh you know certain uh several uh, uh several african countries making an, an exception uh uh making 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 uh you know the immigration requirements more uh much simpler as far as uh, allowing access or entry uh for assignees or mariners uh, arriving in a specific jurisdiction and this was this is normally dictated by the type of project that they might be involved in and whether uh, there might be some sort of an agreement between uh, these uh, uh, entities or clients uh, with, with uh, government authorities. But then, oh, 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 uh, of course, this would normally be uh, special circumstances. It's not always the case. Okay. So, you know, thanks, thanks for the, the additional thoughts there. I mean, we can see that it will, again, differ depending on the, on the country and, and where the person's come from in certain situations. So, Jose, you already mentioned uh, a really useful practical example. Teresa, I'll ask you also, do you have any a practical situation if there's a, where, where someone's maybe arrived into a jurisdiction and they need to go offshore? You know, how would that look? How would it look if they had to travel from one country uh, and then, you know, board the vessel and travel into other countries? What are some of the, I guess, technicalities around, around that? Maybe some practical situations that you can share with us as well. Yes, so um, one example is uh, for Mauritius. Um, in Mauritius, you, as a seafarer, if you're arriving to board a vessel, there is a special process that you need to follow, um, and and that is uh, lies uh, by a shipping agent along with immigration, um, and you need a letter before you you travel in, um, and that letter needs to come from the shipping agent or the maritime agent, um, and and that would be applicable even if you are a visa exempted nationality um, so you find that as a as a seafarer you can't just uh, travel to Mauritius without getting that um, documentation in place um, and then you've got a country like Angola where in order to go offshore um, and board a vessel offshore you you need to um, enter in on a specific visa type um, also referred to as a short-term visa um, and you find that you you might have challenges with immigration authorities if you're found to be working on a vessel without um, that visa that visa type of course that's again arriving by a and then going offshore and then joining um, a vessel but if you're arriving through the vessel 
um, then you might find that you know you you are included in the crew list um, and so can um, you know carry on with your activities so um, it really uh, again is quite case specific but those are just some of the scenarios we have seen and then you find that once you board in Mauritius you then move on to Namibia um, and if you're part of the crew list in Namibia you'll be allowed entry but then if you are going to be working in territorial land uh, water sorry and or on land when you arrive um, then you you would be required to get a, a short-term uh, work visa as well so um, those are just some of the scenarios that we have we have seen yeah that's that's great thanks for sharing the the practical examples and I'm worried that we you know we coming towards the end of the the podcast and I thought Maybe I'll just ask you both, and we'll we'll start with you again, Teresa. Seeing as you you know you're busy answering now, you, you Teresa and Jose, you're both very experienced uh, immigration consultants. You've worked with a number of clients on on these case types. You know we've seen some 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 crazy situations, I guess, and dealt with some interesting uh, anomalies even. So if you were to to advise clients around seafarers and you know the travel, what what advice would you give to clients if you and if you had a, a couple of minutes with them, what's the, the main piece of advice you'd give them? I think the first thing is is to really um, make sure that you you contact um, the appropriate people to give you the advice. Um, you know, as Fragamin, we analyze these cases quite regularly and um, we have such a broad um, coverage that we can really see from, from start to finish on what would be required. And also to check with the, the shipping agent. Um, they are responsible for clearance of the vessel, for port clearance, and part of that um, involves immigration. Um, so it's essential to also verify with them and not just, you know, assume that, um, you know, you are covered because you already boarded the vessel. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned earlier, there might be different processes that might apply to you based on nationality. Um, so it's really important that both the company as well as the individual um, verify before travel on what would be required um, so that you don't run into any immigration issues or be, you know, uh, refrain from boarding a vessel because of paperwork that you did not obtain prior to travel. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Thanks for that. And, and Jose, what, what bit of advice would you hand to clients? Yes, I would also add uh, advising clients to understand uh, what's the, the nature uh, of the ports agents, what, what, is, what, what is the role that they play. Uh, perhaps, you know, thoroughly liaising with the port agent to understand what is the scope of service that they provide for them uh, is, something, uh, uh, is something that would always uh, work to their benefit because then uh, should they know what the the, the, the port agent is there uh, is there for what or what role they play they would they would they would they, they will have uh, you know exact information as to what needs to to happen before sending out anyone on the waters uh, and also uh, one of the challenges that, that I, I often uh, often see us having as fragmen I think I think at most uh, whenever whenever we're discussing seafarers or mariners. Uh, the most that we can actually do is just uh, give our recommendations because most of the immigration related activities is normally handled by the port agent. And it's not always uh, that the port, the port agents are forthcoming with information or are keen to, you know, hand, uh, what, uh, communicate with an external immigration provider uh, because they, they tend to have a direct, uh, you know, uh, relationship or uh, agreement with related immigration services. Uh, jurisdictions that where, where they might be handling uh, any process. 
So ensuring that the client understands the nature of work that the port agent offers is, is, is quite vital. Brilliant. Uh, thanks. Thanks so much, Jose, for that for that input and advice. And I'm sure listeners will really appreciate the advice and information given by by both of you. We have reached the the end of the podcast. I would just like to thank Jose and Teresa both for for your time and for your input. I think it's been a really interesting topic. And you know, thanks also to to anyone listening to the podcast. We hope that you found it informative and beneficial too. And of course, you know, we always always available to to reach out if you need information or. And if you've got cases like this, we are very experienced in this kind of work and we, we hope that you found this useful. Enjoy the rest of your day and thank you very much, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Jared. The Immigration Conversation Podcast is presented by Fragment, the leading firm dedicated exclusively to immigration services worldwide. This episode is current as of the date of recording. With frequent changes in global immigration, be sure to keep up to date by visiting our website at www.fragaman.com and subscribing to the Immigration Conversation on your favorite podcast service to hear the latest episode. This podcast is for informational purposes only. This podcast does not constitute legal advice or give rise to an attorney-client relationship between any listener and our firm. If you have any questions, please contact the Global Immigration Professional with whom you work at Fragamin.